A year ago, technology companies suddenly seemed vulnerable. Facebook and Google were under pressure for privacy issues. Apple and Amazon were being talked about as monopolies. But now big tech is back to its all-powerful self, with companies like Amazon and Microsoft helping to keep us going through the quarantine. So can anything stop tech now? I'm Alex Ewell. This week on The Readback, I'm talking to Eric Savitz, who covers technology for Barron's from Silicon Valley. Hey, Eric. Hey, Alex. Thanks for joining us. It's been a pretty exciting time for tech in the last few weeks. And, you know, it's it's just staggering when you look at the numbers, because for all the pain in the stock market over the last two months, tech companies are actually doing quite well. And if you only owned companies in the NASDAQ composite, that's sort of the tech-heavy index, your portfolio at this point would be nearly flat on the year. How is that possible? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. If you look at the largest tech companies, they've all been pretty good places to hide out. They've been producing pretty strong financial results, and they're all adding users. And I think they are actually gaining power. I think you'll see all of the largest ones, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, which of course is the parent of Google and Facebook, all of these companies are going to come out of this downturn stronger than they went in. And investors have kind of figured it out. So when we talk about big tech, those are the names that really we should be thinking about? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, those are the five, those are not only the largest tech companies, those are the five largest US companies by market cap. Three of them, Microsoft, Amazon, and Apple are the only companies with market valuations above a trillion dollars. These are the largest companies in, in America, and they're all doing just fine. All right, so we have big tech. Explain to us a little bit more about why they are so well positioned. So I think there's a couple of key things. So first of all, all of them have very large and very loyal user groups. So whether you're talking about Apple and iPhones, or you're talking about the use of social media, or you're talking about Microsoft and Amazon and Google's cloud businesses, they all have very large groups of users. So just a few sort of examples, right? Facebook now has more than 3 billion users. This is an astonishing number. It's like close to 40% of the population of the earth, right, are using one of their platforms. Amazon has gotten so much demand in the current downturn that in the last month or so, they've hired another 175,000 employees. Apple's up to 550 million subscribers to their various digital services. You know, one after another, all of these companies are seeing huge and growing demand for their services. Netflix just had their biggest quarterly subscriber growth ever. All of these numbers suggest these are the services that people are using. Now, there are a couple of other key parts, right? These are very strong companies financially. They have some of the best balance sheets of any companies on earth. They have mountains of cash. They have the ability to withstand a downturn in, in a way that many other companies can't. So while you see companies like the airline industry and the auto industry and retailers and restaurants really struggling fundamentally here. These companies are hanging in just fine. They're not taking any government aid. They're actually hiring people, not firing them. They're remarkable businesses that are just demonstrating in the downturn just how well run they are and how, how crucial they've become to our daily lives. 
Yeah. And now what's interesting to me is this is obviously not a surprise to folks, right? I mean, big tech has been leading the stock market for several years now. Those companies are what led the market to its record highs, you know, culminating in February. But what's so interesting is as everything else has fallen apart, you think that big tech is going to come out of this crisis even stronger than when they, than where they went in. Yeah. So for example, many of these companies are seeing an increase in the number of users. So think about Amazon, for instance. There's a huge opportunity for them to grow their share of the retail market. You know, you can argue societally whether that's a good thing or not. But I think that from a positioning point of view, some of the people, I don't know what the percentage is, but some of the people who were not using Amazon will continue to use them after this all ends or we get to whatever the next stage of normal might look like. And I think you can make similar arguments for some of the other businesses. You know, say if you look at Microsoft, their PC business has been stronger than expected because what are we all doing? We're all working on PCs at home and the urgency of doing that has increased dramatically. And then and then the other side of that is what are we doing with those PCs? We are accessing information and services in the cloud. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the cloud, because we hear it so much. We hear about how important it is. Sometimes it's a little kind of, you know, in the clouds. So put some real world examples on why the cloud is so important. So what we're really talking about is services that you can reach online. They include things that are very familiar to us, like Facebook is run from the cloud, or Gmail is run from the cloud, or Google searches, or YouTube, or like almost anything you do on online. There is is sitting on a server in some location or maybe probably multiple locations spread around the internet, and you can access those things remotely. Now, we've kind of used to doing that with consumer services. That's how we think about the internet. But what businesses are increasingly figuring out is you don't need to go hire more IT staff. You don't need to go buy all this infrastructure. That approach isn't smart and isn't efficient, right? So if you rely on someone else to provide those services, it's easier to add capacity. You don't have to go out and buy servers every time you need to add capacity or or shut them down if you need to reduce capacity. And then meanwhile, it's the ability to access all of these things without ever getting into the office. Think about Barron's. We are running this magazine and our website every day without any of the editorial staff ever going into the office. And it's amazing. And it would not have been possible even a few years ago. And I think the key point here is there are really just a handful of major players here. And it happens that three of them are Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. So yeah, it's just amazing that these three big companies, which have the huge user bases, on top of all that, have this growing and booming cloud business. The thing that, by the way, I think is so interesting to talk about now is that this is no longer academic, right? I mean, we've been seeing how big the numbers are for the cloud and the the tech platforms. And last week, it got even more real because over a three-day stretch, all five of the big tech companies we've been talking about reported earnings. And for the most part, they were stellar. You know, I don't think it's a disappointment. It's actually probably better than a lot of people thought. Facebook share is up more than 10% on better-than-expected revenue and user growth. Amazon certainly performed in terms of revenue as the street was expecting. Demand is surging. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we learned from Big Tech's earnings week? We did learn, first of all, that that these companies were uh, are, are doing just fine. And in, in some cases, we're doing much better than people even had imagined. One of the big takeaways, I think one of the most surprising things, is that the advertising environment online 
is actually a little bit better than people had anticipated. Now, you have to remember that the current advertising environment is very challenging because you have some huge industries that are typically very large advertisers that are effectively shut down. Travel basically is the top of the list, but also some uh, you know, offline retailers and the, the movie industry and uh, even autos. And let's not forget small and medium-sized businesses. A lot of small businesses are very challenged here and we could get hit by a, a wave of bankruptcies by small businesses that certainly are not buying ads online. Yeah. So basically going into this earnings week, everyone was thinking, I mean, the context was like advertising revenues down, what, 30, 40, 50%, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what did we see? Well, so they had a, a, now you have to remember, shutdowns didn't really begin until say the middle of March. So they they all had pretty good January and February's. Um, And then in the middle of March, things started to go south and they had a bad few weeks at the end of March. And then remarkably, Facebook and Google both said, early April, things kind of stabilized, which is not what anybody was expecting. Now, they were both, I will say, they both uh, were very careful to say, don't extrapolate too much. You know, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the quarter. And, you know, the year over year comparison is going to be far worse in June than in March because you didn't have the, you know, in the, in, in the current quarter, in the June quarter, you don't have two months before the uh, the virus onset. It's all virus, right, for three right. months. So yeah. it's going to be a tougher quarter from a from a comparison point of view. But but at the margin, things don't look as bad as people feared. Okay, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about Microsoft because they're sort of at the center of everything. So not only do they have the cloud business, but they have the software business that is that is helping companies actually communicate with each other. They have this thing called Teams. They obviously have their office suite, but basically everything now, all the communications and the remote work we're doing together, if you use Microsoft, you're using their software. Their CEO, Satya Nadella, had what I thought was maybe the most important comment that I saw from this set of earnings. As COVID-19 impacts every aspect of our work and life, we have seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months. From remote teamwork and learning to sales and customer service to critical cloud infrastructure and security, we're working alongside customers every day to help them stay open for business in a world of remote everything. Digital transformation is a very popular buzzword. Um, in the tech business. And it's this notion of basically of taking things that you were doing in-house and putting them in a cloud, right? So doing it in, on the network and also digitizing uh, more of your work, right? So do, using computing to drive more and more of your work. And in some cases, companies have not been forced to accelerate that process. And it's kind of a triumph for Microsoft <laughs> in a way. I mean, they, they not like anybody wants to sound too, uh, too excited here in this current uh, terrible environment, but it is playing off, uh, playing out very, very well for Microsoft, no question. All right. And then late in the week, we got reports from Amazon and Apple. They weren't quite as well received by investors, but they were still, relatively speaking, pretty good. Yeah. Now, so Amazon, of course, you know, is is the winner of the group for the full year. So they, I think there's a little bit of profit taking there. But I, I think one of the most amazing things about Amazon is what they said is uh, in the June quarter, you know, it's going to be a, a quarter that's it's going to be unusual. This is not the way it normally would look. And that, that gave people a little bit of pause. But I, the stocks kind of come back from there. And I, I don't I think it's really just sort of Amazon flexing its financial muscles. And, you know, the other interesting one, I think, is Apple, which Apple was the first company to warn. They if you go back to, to, to the middle of February, 
they warned that their uh, March quarter results wouldn't meet their previous guidance, which they just given a couple of weeks before because of the beginnings of the coronavirus epidemic, which at that point, there were, there were not even any diagnosed cases in the U.S. market. It was all in China. So they were very early. And then Apple ended up beating the street's numbers by billions of dollars at the revenue line in typical Apple fashion. Now, the other thing is Apple did not give June guidance. Now, Apple is usually pretty regimented about providing guidance for the next quarter. They did not do that. Uh, but I think people did come away uh, feeling generally pretty good about where Apple is and the stock is doing fine. Okay. Another big theme from big tech's earnings week uh, was around buybacks. So for months now, we've seen companies, most companies cut back on these buybacks, which are stock repurchases. It's basically a way that the company comes in and buys back the outstanding shares that are out there, which effectively boosts earnings. Because if you have less stock out there, every dollar that a company earns is worth more to the existing shareholder base. So that's been this big trend for years now. Companies buy back billions of dollars of stock. With COVID-19, of course, a lot of companies are in dire straits. They want to conserve their money. So most of corporate America, starting with all the big banks, have said, we are suspending our stock repurchases so that we can focus the money elsewhere. That might mean giving more to, to employees or, or keeping people employed. So that's that was sort of the trend, right? Big tech comes into the week and says, not us. We are going to continue buying back stock in the case of, mo of most of these companies in the billions of dollars. What is going on there? And, and should we care? Is, is it meaningful? Sure. So look, so I think one thing to remember is that the tech business is not monolithic on this score. And so companies that have a lot of debt on their balance sheets have slowed or stopped their stock repurchases, right? But if you look at these companies, in particular, we're talking about Microsoft and Google and Apple, they have huge amounts of cash. And they are already uh, hiring people and investing in R&D, and they are uh, growing their businesses. And they just happen to have businesses that throw off tremendous amounts of cash. And so they continue to repurchase their stock. Now, I think it's important to remember that um, if you think your business has too much cash, there are only a few things you could do, right? You can bank it, but the, the returns available in the current environment are very, very low. You can pay it out in the form of dividends, or you can buy back stock, which is viewed as a different way, sometimes maybe a more tax efficient way to return cash to your shareholders. And all of the companies that have stopped doing buybacks uh, we think about banks and airlines and hotel chains, companies that are taking government aid or relying on government aid right now. They don't have anything in common with these companies. One other thing I wanted to talk about is if, if you are an investor, specifically a tech investor, um, over the last year or two years, probably the one real negative thing you could still point to about the stocks was that there was likely going to be this wave of government regulation, that tech companies were getting too powerful, and you had this kind of shift in sentiment among politicians specifically that they wanted to regulate them, maybe even break them up. It feels like that may even be gone now, because we're all relying on technology, as we've talked about, to get us through this pandemic. So, I mean, Eric, do you think that this so-called tech lash is now over? So I would say it's over. I think we've gotten, a, we, we have a pause, right? Because we have other things, more pressing matters to solve, right? Um, and I think it is, it is true that they were being attacked 
um, in Washington, and by the way, from both sides of the aisle. I think they, they do have a little bit of a pause. I think there are some elements of this that we will come to take a fresh look at. You know, what's the Superman line? Like, with great power comes great responsibility. There's going to be more pressure. Is that Superman or Spider-Man? Is it Superman or Spider-Man? One of them. (laughs) And it should apply to both of them. I think they should both apply to this, right? I mean, it feels to me, if in fact there is this pause in the tech lash, I mean, there is just really, in a lot of ways, no stopping tech right now. So what would you say? I mean, should investors just be buying more and more tech and kind of excluding the rest of the stock market? Is that the answer to the rest of 2020, (laughs) buy tech? Well, I mean, uh, I'm not sure you want to do a tech-only portfolio. There are some other places that are doing okay. But I I do think that having broad exposure to this particular group of stocks has some logic to it. I mean, I think these companies are, they have a huge growth opportunity they are expanding their reach into new areas. They have a financial muscle and uh, they've never looked stronger. And, you know, I think in most cases, some of the smaller players in their businesses are going to struggle a little more. So I think I think this is a big get bigger situation. And um, having exposure to these names seems like a good idea to me. All right. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Alex. To read Eric's ongoing coverage from Silicon Valley, check out Barron's.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoff and Katie Ferguson. We'll be back next week.